so glad you could join us for mornings at YCVC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Uh, and so this week um, we are continuing our Christology series, just uh, fixing our attention and our gaze on who Jesus is and what he has done. Uh, we're seeking to know and to understand Jesus Christ more and more. Uh, and so the reading that Jill read for us this morning is in essence, uh, well is in fact a prayer uh, from the Apostle Paul for the church in Ephesus. But it's also what I would like to call a Christological prayer, if we're going to grab that name of our series. It's a, it's a prayer that the church would know Jesus more and more. And so uh, this is going to be my prayer as we come to the word this morning for each of us. Um, and then we're going to explore Uh, uh, what the word has for us today. So I pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which he has called us, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from dead, from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked not only in the present age but in the age to come. And so we say amen to that prayer this morning, Father. We pray that we may know Christ more and more that our heart may be enlightened. I pray that as we explore your word this morning, we will gain knowledge. It's good to gain intellectual brain knowledge about Jesus. That's a good thing. But we pray that we would be enlightened by the Holy Spirit to know Jesus inwardly more and more in a way that my words could never lead us to, Lord. In a way that Uh, intellectual understanding could never draw us towards. We pray that our heart may be enlightened to know Jesus more and more as we uh, engage with your word, Father, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, And so this series exploring who Jesus is and what he has done, uh, we're taking uh, as a template Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 to 20. And and so this is is kind of Paul's Christology. This is Paul's uh, summary in a sense of of who Jesus is and what he has done. And and so in verse 15 he says, the son is the image of the invisible God. And and so we, we in our first week of this series explore what it means for Jesus to be the fullness of God. Uh, He goes on, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And so last week we explored what it means for Jesus to be the one in whom all things came into being, that all things were created by him and for him and are held together by him. We explored that last week. And then the next phrase that the Apostle Paul says is and he is the head of the body the church he is the head of the body the church and so in our time left this morning what we want to explore is what does it mean for Jesus to be the head of the church and what does it mean for the church to be his body and ultimately so what 
As I've said, throughout this series, we want to ask that question, so what? As I've encouraged you, as you come to the scriptures uh, to explore God's word in your own time, ask the question, so what? Not like, so what, who cares? But so what does that mean for me? How am I shaped by that word? How do I behave in response to that word? How do I let that word transform the attitudes of my heart? So what? What does it mean for you and me that Jesus is the head of the church and we are his body. But the first thing that we need to uh, understand is that Jesus is the head of everything, not just the church. In, in the next chapter, in verse uh, 10 of Colossians 2, the Apostle Paul says in the second part of verse 10, he says, He is the head of e over every power and authority. He is the head over every power and authority. He is supreme, he's the king of kings, he's the lord of lords. And this isn't just one obscure reference, an outlier in scripture. In Ephesians chapter 1, which we read this morning in the next few verses beyond the prayer, well, it's part of the prayer, but uh, beyond what I've prayed this morning, the Apostle Paul says in verse uh, 20, that he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him head, to be head over everything for the church. And so he is far above every rule, every power, every dominion, whatever language we can wrap around authority and power, Jesus is far above it. And the Apostle Paul says not just in this present age, God's word says not just in this present age, but in the age to come. And so this is not like human politics, even if it's a monarchy where someone might reign for their lifetime and then pass on to their descendants, kings and kingdoms and dynasties come and go. But that's not true of Jesus. He is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, far above every power, authority, rule and reign in this age and in the age to come forever and ever. He is the head over everything. All things are under his feet. He's appointed the head over everything. And Paul just slips this little line in that verse, which we'll pick up in the next one, which we'll grab in a moment. It says, for the church. It's interesting that Jesus' reign over everything is for the church, that the church benefits from that. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, the scripture says, Therefore God exalted him, that is Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so here God's word says that his name is above every name, that there's no other name above him, that every knee should bow before him. That every knee should confess that he is Lord. And what it means to confess that he is Lord is to acknowledge that he is the head over everything. That there is no other name that can be spoken in the same breath in terms of his authority. He is far above. And so Jesus is the head. He is the authority. He is the Lord. He is the ruler over everything. That is the clear claim of Scripture. 
And so the question I ask then is, what does it then mean for him to be the head of the church? Why is that important that, that in the context of Jesus being described as the, the Lord of Lords, the, the head over everything, far above everything, that he is then the head of the church also? Why is that important? Because on the surface of it, it seems a little bit redundant. It's a little bit like saying the Prime Minister of Australia is the Prime Minister of Yes. It's, it's, it's included in the everything, so why do you need to say the specific thing? Jesus is the head over everything, but yet the scripture also makes a point to say Jesus is the head of the church. And I want to suggest this morning that this is more than just a redundant statement. Jesus is the head over everything, but, but the church is unique. The church is different to all else. In Ephesians chapter 2, our reading this morning, to read that very last part of this morning's reading, in verse 22, I'll pick it up there, but then go on to verse 23. It says, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way and so the, the the unique thing about the church is that the church is his body nothing else is referred to in this way the the scripture claims that Jesus is the head over everything he has authority over everything but what is unique about the church isn't that Jesus is the head of it because he's the head of everything but that the church is his body over which he is the head of the church is alone in being described as the body of Christ, apart from his own physical body, of course. He's the head of the church, not just in, in general terms, but he has a specific headship relationship with the church. He has a relationship of head and body with the church. And so if we think about our physical bodies, the body does as the head wishes, where, where hopefully most of us are advanced enough in our medical knowledge to know that the brain goes in this box up here that sits on top of your shoulders. And I've forgotten most of my anatomy from my physio days, but I've retained that bit. That brain is in the head. Doctor, can you confirm that this morning? Thank you for visiting this morning to be our anatomist uh, to checklist. The brain is in the head and the brain has the function of telling the rest of the body what it should do. And so the body does as the head wishes. And so the body is an expression of the head's desires. You can't see what is happening inside my brain box, but you can see what my brain box is telling me to do and say. The, the body, including the voice, is an expression of what the head desires. So the body is a tangible expression of my inner thoughts, the inner attitudes of my mind. Not just in kind of the immediate actions, but if you watch my body over a course of time, week in, week out, year in, year out, you will get a sense of what is valuable to my head, my brain, my thoughts. 
If you're in a more intimate relationship with someone, a close friendship, a parent-child relationship or a marriage, a spousal relationship, you'll get to see the actions of that body, that person more and more and you still can't and it frustrates sometimes, I just don't know what's going on inside that other person's head but you get a sense more and more over time as you see the actions and behaviour and hear the words of that person of what is going on in their mind. And so the, the body, if we think about our bodies, is a tangible expression. It is the enactment of the will of the head. And so it should be with Jesus and the church, because that is how the scripture, that's how the Apostle Paul, that's how God's word describes Jesus' headship over the church. Yes, he's the head over everything, but, but the only thing described in God's word as the body of Christ is the church. And so that means Jesus is the ultimate authority over the church. That means that we should seek to act according to his will, his purpose, his plans, his glory, not our own or anyone else's, but Jesus' will. But he's not some kind of far off, distant authority that, yeah, we know he's there. He's not a figurehead or a statesman in a far off room that, you know, in some political context we might imagine you know, theoretically or legally, I don't know the right words, I'm not trying to offend anyone here, the Queen is the head of Australia. But she doesn't have a lot of functional, intimate connection with what's happening in day-to-day -day life in Australia. I've got someone interested in politics this morning, I'll check my politics as well as my anatomy later on. Um, but it's not that kind of relationship with Jesus. It's not that, yes, we acknowledge Jesus as the head, but... Yeah, that's as far as it goes. It's an intimate connection, like the head is connected to the body by a brainstem without which we cannot live or function. Jesus is not just the ultimate authority. He should be the director of every movement, every decision, every breath that the church takes, and the church should be the tangible expression of Jesus in this world. That when people look at the church, though they can't necessarily hear, if they don't know Jesus, they can't necessarily hear the thoughts of Jesus. They, they don't, if they're not his sheep, like Jesus says, my sheep know my voice, they might not know his voice, but if they look at the church, they should be able to see what's in the head of Jesus, the thoughts, the actions that he wants the church to express. And so it's a sobering thing for us in that sense of if, if people look at this body, do they get a good sense of who Jesus is, of, of what's going on in the head of the church? In Ephesians 4.16, jumping a few chapters over, the, the Apostle Paul again picks up this language of, of head and body. And, and in verse 15 and 16 he says, Instead, of, instead, in speaking the truth in love, will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him, that is Jesus Christ, who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so uh, the Greek word that's used here for head and throughout all of these scriptures that refer, refer to head and body is kephale um, in Greek. And, and, it, and it means literally head, but, but this word in Greek also has, in a sense, the source. It, it is authority, 
but it also has, in a sense, the source. And so this is what we see pointed out here. It's from the head from which the whole body grows and, and gains its strength. And so Jesus is the one from whom the church grows. He's our authority. He's, he's the one that should direct our actions and behaviours, but he's also the source from which we grow. The other kind of imagery that John uses for this idea is that of the vine and the branch. That we are branches and he is the vine, our source from which we grow. And so Jesus is the one from whom we take our shape. And so ultimately through his authority and through us gaining our, our shape and our strength from him, the church should be Jesus shaped. This is something we need to get the relationship right in practice. I don't know a, a church on, in all of creation that wouldn't, hopefully, acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. It's in fact, yeah, curious side note, to be a Baptist church, I'm sure it's true of many other denominations, that has to be in our constitution when we talk about governance. We have to say first and foremost that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. But it's not just a constitutional statement. It's something that we together and as individuals need to uh, come into alignment with the understanding again and again because the world will want to draw us away from seeing Jesus as our functional, practical head that's thinking the thoughts that we act out. And so it's something that we need to come back to again and again that Jesus is the head, I am the body. Jesus is the head, I am the body. But it's just not just I am the body, it is we are the body of Christ. And each one of us is part of it. Because the thing is, the building is not the body of Christ. At no point is a church building referred to in Scripture as the body of Christ. Mostly because they didn't have them. When Scripture was written, well, not mostly, partly because they didn't have them. Mostly because it's not the body of Christ. The church building is not the body of Christ. The constitution of a church is not the body of Christ. The institution of the church, its structures, its organizations, its systems, valuable though they might be, is not the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 12 to 27, it's a longer piece of scripture um, drawing to a close if you're looking at your watches but, but the apostle Paul talks about what it means for us to be the body of Christ he says just as a body though one has many parts but all the many parts form one body so it is with Christ for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body whether Jews or Gentiles slave or free we can add our own modern day disparities in there and we are all given the one spirit to drink even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot were to, should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but only one body. 
The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that, we, that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices in it. And ultimately Paul brings that together in this. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. You are the body of Christ together. Together you and me are the tangible expression of Jesus in this world. And every part of the body is important. There's no part of the body that we can say... We don't need you. Or no part of the body that can say, I am not needed. If one part suffers, if one part is unhealthy, the whole suffers. If one part is absent, that doesn't mean that pain is absent. If, if Again, I'm unintentionally tracking back to some, some physio space in my brain. But, but if someone has an amputation, that doesn't stop hurting. They still experience the pain where that limb used to be. And I um, you know, haven't been a physio for a long time. Maybe we can do better things with that now. But, but there's a thing called phantom pain because there's still pain where it was. And, and, and that's what I think of with the church. When, when parts of the body are absent, we, we experience the pain of that absence. It's not like the, it doesn't hurt because they're, they're not there anymore. We, we experience the pain of missing part of the body. And I want to say, as everyone seems different to you, if you feel like you don't fit in this church, then this church needs you all the more. Because each part of the body is important to express the fullness of who Jesus is to the world. And so if we become a church that only likes green carpet, then we are not fully expressing the fullness of Jesus to the world. We need the people that love blue carpet as well to be part of the body. So that don't go too far with that metaphor because that will end up with ugly carpet, but it's not about the carpet. <laughs> it's about if you feel like, oh, everyone there's a little bit different to me, then we need the different to us so that we can actually be the body and express the fullness of who Jesus is to the world. Every part is important. In Romans chapter 12, verse 4, this is the final scripture, Paul says, For just as each of us has one body with many members or parts, and these parts do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though we are many, form one body, and each part belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraged, if it, is encourage, it is, sorry, if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so that list is not intended to be exhaustive. But what the Apostle Paul is saying is not just does the body have many parts which are, which are important for the body to be the body and function together. He's saying that every part must do its job. 
must perform its role, must have its function lived out in the life of the church. He says that every part of the church belongs to each other. Every member of the body belongs to each other. If the kidney refuses to function, the whole church will become unhealthy. If the feet refuse to be the feet, then the church will go nowhere. If the generous refuse to give, then the church will have nothing (laughs) with which to operate. If those who are gifted in leadership and serving in, in a whole bunch of different ways withhold from doing that, then the church will cease to function efficiently and effectively as the body of Christ. As I say, the worship team can come up and give hope. And so what? Well, if Jesus is the ultimate authority overall, then we should too join with all who have the responsibility to confess that he is Lord. But we should not just leave it there. We should be a part of the mission of God to draw other people, to let them know, to tell the world that Jesus Christ is Lord because it's much better to to confess that truth before it's too late, before his return, to confess that truth willingly in this life that we might be saved by him. If Jesus is the head of the church, then 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 I as part of the church should seek to be as Jesus-shaped as possible. Then I as part of the church should seek to live out Jesus' desires, Jesus' will. But, but it's not just an I thing or it's not just a you thing, it's a we together thing. We should seek to live out what it means to be the tangible expression of the thoughts of Jesus Christ. And, and if we are the body of Christ, then each one of us is is vital and important and critical and crucial and whatever language I can wrap around that to get us to that understanding of each and every single part of the body of Christ is essential to the body. And that is true locally of this expression of church, Yas Community Baptist Church, but it's true across the Yas Valley, it's true across Australia, it's true across our planet. Every part of the body of Christ is key to fully expressed as best as we can to the world the thoughts of Jesus. And to zero it back in locally again, if we are the body of Christ, then each one of us is part of it and each function, each gifting, each ability that we each possess is vital for the body to be healthy. Kidneys need to kidney, hearts need to do their heart thing, lungs need to breathe. And and, and whatever gifting and ability or or, or function that we can offer to the church in in the body of Christ is, is crucial to us being a healthy body, a functioning body and a fruitful body. And so we're going to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. We're we're going to sing a song that says, Name above all names. We're going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and that there is no other. But this song also has a line in it that says, Sing with me. And I'll confess with you when I was uh, even younger and even more immature in my faith than I am now, I used to be annoyed by that line. 
I used to think, no, this is between me and God. Not sing with me. I, 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 I was a, always, and I still worship with my eyes closed a lot because I'm easily distracted, but I was always an eyes closed worshipper. And then one day it hit me. It's not just about me. And now sing with me is my favourite line of the whole song. It's about us being the body together. Yes, I have a personal relationship with God, but yes, I'm part of a body. I alone am not the body of Christ. We together are the body of Christ, confessing that Jesus Christ is our head and that he is Lord. And it's also an invitation that at least in the spirit, whether or not literally the sound would go out that door and that we would invite our local community to sing with us, believe with us that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so usually I do say, you know, stand, sit, lie down, roll around, whatever you want to do. But I do want to encourage you this morning, if you are physically able, and there's no judgment if you're not physically able, that's not, it's not about causing people harm in that sense. But I do want to encourage you all, all of us to stand together as an expression that we stand in this truth together as the body of Jesus Christ. And so Heavenly Father, we simply say this morning, Amen to the truth that Jesus is the head. He is far above all things, every rule and reign and power and authority. And we pray that through the Holy Spirit that we would grow from glory to glory, from strength to strength as the body of Christ to better express the thoughts of Jesus to this world. And so it's in his name that we pray, in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.